Welcome to the One Thing Parenting Podcast, a podcast by Antioch Waco Kids, co-hosted by Sean Dunn, Kids Pastor, and Kimberly West, Kids Ministry Director at Antioch Community Church. Each One Thing Parenting Podcast will focus on one thing that will practically help and provide parents with one thing they can implement now. We believe God has designed parents to be the main disciple makers of their kids. Antioch Kids Ministry desires to come alongside parents as they disciple their children and teach them the ways of Jesus. Well, all right, everybody. Welcome to the One Thing Parenting Podcast. We are very excited to have our first, our inaugural podcast with Jimmy and Laura Seibert, pastors of Antioch Community Church. And I am super excited because... Most of what I've learned from parenting is through these guys. And so as we do these different podcasts, we're super excited to, to learn how to practically put into one thing that uh, parents can do to raise their kids. And obviously, that one thing is Jesus, but Laura and Jimmy are going to also just give us the one thing that they've chosen today, which is really putting identity on your kids. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're going to kind of get started with some questions and asking them. So why did you guys choose this? This is the one topic. We know you could choose. You've written a book. You've talked about it for 25 years. Why in particular did you choose this topic? Well, first of all, Sean, so good to see you, man. It, it is a joy for us to be here and be a part of this because this is something so dear to our hearts because uh, family and parenting is at the center of not only our personal lives, but the, it's at the center of any healthy community, any healthy nation, any part of the world. You can take it back to parenting done well or parenting done poorly, and that's saying a lot. So, um, yeah, so of all things we could we could have uh, said, we chose identity to start with because I think that's, you know, uh, in the big picture, that's where God starts, right? He creates us in his image and says we're of the highest value. And then even though we sin, he sends Jesus to redeem us, but, and then he puts his spirit within us to let us know we're his. So this whole idea of knowing whose we are uh, and knowing that we have the highest value to, in the earthly way, our parents, but obviously in a spiritual way, God himself, is the centrality of whether you're a healthy, confident person in anything in life. And I, and I think for Laura and I, uh, we grew up with parents that did the best they knew with what they had to work with, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. we there's so many things we could honor our parents for. But we also realized that um, them not speaking specifically into our lives and helping establish us made us just products of the world around us. So our identity mm-hmm. was wrapped up in what we do and who we knew and yeah. how smart we were or not or what job we had or house. We just kind of bought the whole American dream yeah. <laughs> because our parents didn't know how to kind of rightly align us, both to God and then uh, to who he created us to be. So when we got married, we started off and just said, all right, first of all, who are we? Uh, now, personally, now as a married couple, and then what do we want our kids to know that was different maybe than what we grew up with? And so that was a high motivation. We didn't want them to be caught up in the stuff we got caught up in, and so we knew we had to establish them the identity of which God says they are mm-hmm. and, and the value that they have to us. Yeah, I'm just adding my own. I think words, we just realized words were so important. Words mm-hmm. that were spoken and words that were not spoken. Mm-hmm. And yeah. growing up more in a quiet home, I was not affirmed very much. I was by different ways, but not words. And so I always, my words had to come from either what other people 
said about me and the things, the activities I did, or even what I thought about myself. So we realized, wow, we need to give our kids just words that who they really are in God, and that really was important. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you begin instilling identity in your kids? That's great. Well, first of all, I would say right in the womb. We believe that life begins at conception. And so when we had little ones in our womb, knew that I was pregnant, we right away just started Mm. just speaking life and just identity over this child. And particularly when we found out that we found out what their gender was, and some of them, some we didn't. And if it was a girl, we just start a boy. We start praying about a name and just God, who is that person? And so each of our kids have a name that we feel like the Lord had a promise by that name. So I would say it definitely began in the womb. Mm-hmm. That was the first place that we started. Yeah, and we would, and and uh, obviously prayer is a huge part of that. So. I remember praying for Abby in the womb, and we would just declare Psalm 139, that you, you're you shaping her, you're forming her in Laura's womb. She's fearfully and wonderfully made, wonderful for all your works, and her soul knows it very well. And so we would just speak those words in prayer, and then actually, you know, to be weird, I would just get down Laura's belly, and I'd say, we love you. You're so wanted. You are so blessed. God cares about you. He's knitting you together. We can't wait to see you. So whether in we find out in heaven whether that really she heard me or not, <laughs> but what I do know it, it created in us a prayer life. We yeah. attached to them, so even when they were born, they were already attached to us because yeah. we'd sewn in in prayer. Yeah. So we have obviously parents who are parenting high school kids, but we have young parents listening to this. So where did you start out when they finally got out of the womb? <laughs> uh, when did you, where, how did you start in the younger years? And maybe just take us through the progression of how that happened throughout the years. Well, I'll start off, and Laura, you can jump in and fill in. Is um, One of the things that we uh, realize is that there has to be uh, common mantras with our words that affirm uh, who they are or who they're going to be. Right. Every kid's uh, uh, saved by grace, but also a sinner. So you got your <laughs> prophesying as well. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I would wake up the girls when they were just the littlest, uh, you know, just, as soon as they recognized my voice. And I would always say, hello, beautiful. Mm. Hello, beautiful. It's going to be a great day. Daddy loves you so much. No matter what anyone else tells you, I love you and you're my favorite. Mm. So those two words, hello, beautiful, put value in our girls, and then saying, you're my favorite, Uh, you know, one-year-old, five-year-old, whatever age they were. So they knew that no matter what anyone else said, there was one person or one couple uh, that thought they were of the highest value. And that sense of beauty was always more than just their external beauty, I would say. No matter what someone says, it's your inner beauty that makes you not only attractive, but it, it, it uh, makes you who you're called to be. And so we would always try to affirm that with, uh, on a daily basis. And then there, the other one with the guys, I, I would uh, uh, wake them up and as, as soon as they could kind of understand this journey. And I would say, rise up, man of God. <laughs> it's going to be a great day. Because by nature, the little boys are a bit distracted. I don't know if you've noticed that. <laughs> and so by saying, rise up, man of God, I was saying, you are a man of God. That's what God's intention is. And you need to rise up. You need to clear, clear your head, clear your mind, clear your heart. It's going to be a great day. And we're going we're gonna to start it right. And um, in that, I think, built confidence in them. Yeah. Uh, the boys, uh, though they were squirrely like any other little boy, and we had years of development process going on here at least we had a center point 
yeah. that was one thing we did. And I think also now that we're talking about it, I think it helped us believe in our kids. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? By declaring what God thinks about them, even if it was <laughs> been a rough day <laughs> or a rough oh, yeah. month, uh, then mm-hmm. it, 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 it strengthened us to believe. Yeah, yeah. that's Absolutely. good. Yeah, and so I think I just that was a process that just happened throughout the day, just contending for promises. And then when you see your child acting outside of that, it was reminding again, hey, Beth is who you are. This is who you are. And particularly, I, we also grabbed hold of bedtime. I think bedtime is one of the most vulnerable times for kids. The day's over. And I find as parents, we often try to rush that because we're ready for our downtime for the day. Yeah. But we really capitalized on bedtime um, with our kiddos. And when they were little, actually when they were little, I did make a song that I sang all the way till they left the house at 18 most nights. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it was a little weird when the 18-year-old It was weird. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I did the I'm staying with it because it almost became a joke. This is the yes. note. When they're, when they're 15, they're like, okay, now this is for mom, not you. Yeah. You know, yeah. but it was yeah. just kind of like, I'm not going to be listening to you when you're out of this house. And, um, so I just sang a song of identity over them. And um, they one that, a little one that I made up, and it went like this. Um, I won't sing it, but it says, Jesus died on the cross for you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. God has a special plan for your life. You're special. You're special. You're special. And mommy loves you very much. I love you. I love you. I love you. And they would always say goodnight. And that was just hmm. a sweet time of connecting. And I find myself now with grandkids, and I started making a, a grandkid song. And yeah. carrying that one, I find my daughter, she actually said, Mama kind of stole your song. And she actually sings it to her, our grandkids now when they go to bed. Yeah. Just a powerful time of shaping them um, as they go to sleep. Because the word says that God instructs us in the night. He counsels up this, us with this eye upon us. And I thought, wow, what if going to bed with that identity, that security, that God sees you, you're special, and you're loved, no matter what that day helped. Yeah. I think yeah. wrapped the night up and helped just lead into the next day. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. awesome. So did you see, did you have opportunities throughout the day where you needed to remind them of their identity? <laughs> and how did you do that? Because, you know, obviously yeah. it sounds like you had, you know, the morning time and bedtime. So how did you help their your kids with identity throughout the day? Yeah, I think we, there was three things that we found that you show your kids and give them identity through your words. Mm-hmm. And then it was giving them time. When they know they're special, they have time. They are worth stopping things for them when they have when they want to talk. Giving them time shows them you're important. You are worth stopping, and also affection. I think those all put value and put identity into children. Those three things. So those components all together in a given day, we were constantly roaming those through our mind. Are our kids getting those things from us? Yeah. And, you know, I think really the, the real question about Snow, what do you do when my kid's not acting yeah. like a man of God <laughs> or that scriptural mm-hmm. promise that we have over there, yeah. which was daily, uh, and, and was, uh, uh, by the way. And uh, I think that there were, there were two things, you know, that it's that time also means being consistent in your discipline or correction of them. So correction is just as important as affirmation because remember they're they're being shaped they're being formed so they remember the things that you keep uh bringing them back to you know so an example would be uh caleb he doesn't mind me saying he's a very well-adjusted adult now <laughs> but, but uh but he would eat with his mouth open 
right? Uh-huh. And, you know, he had buck teeth before he had braces. And, you know, it's a little hard to keep that mouth closed with that many teeth. <laughs> At the same time, he was very unaware of his social surroundings. So he had little difficulty with social spacing. He got really close to people. And if he had food in his mouth and he was close to people, that could cause some problems, right? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how many times he said, close your mouth. Close your mouth, Caleb. Caleb, close your mouth. So <clears throat> the deal was, though... It just it wasn't registering him because to him, what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I went to, uh, I visited him at lunchtime. Those were the days that you could sit, go to your kid's mm-hmm. lunch table. And I realized that some of the kids were moving away from him because he was telling me, the reason I went to lunch, he said, hey, the guys don't want to play with me anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, what's going on? And as a parent, you usually defend your kid. Yeah. But you might want to go see what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> so... What I realized is that they were grossed out because he would eat, mm-hmm. yeah. and then they'd make jokes about him spitting while he talked so much, right? Mm. So we got a scripture. We got a... Uh, uh, we, we talked about it. Hey, what? how does it affect other people? Why does it affect you? And then I had to reinforce it and follow through. So that started about second grade. At sixth grade, we finally <laughs> got <laughs> through it. So here's my point. In the middle of that correction process, which would be, so every kid's got one or two or ten of those issues, right? In the middle of that correction process, I remember him asking me, Dad, are you embarrassed of me? Hmm. That's tough, right? Yeah. Now, what you got to know about kids, and what I always say to every parent, is that the kid actually knows, right? So you as a parent can say, oh, no, I'm not, because you're fearful of what they'll think. Or you can be honest and own what's your part and what's their part. So what I did was I said, hey, buddy, you're right. I am embarrassed. And I said, so let me do this. Let me say, that's called sin. <laughs> My job is to train you to love God, honor people, and, and be a contributor to society. Like this. So this is my job. And that's what you're going to do. All right? And when I'm embarrassed of you, uh, that's my own sinfulness wanting everybody to think I'm great or to think we have mm. a perfect family mm. or to think something else. And that's on me. So I'm going to repent of my own sin because I only because God's goal is to love you, care for you, and correct you for your good, yeah. not to make Dad look good. Mm-hmm. So with tears, I said, please forgive me. Mm. That's on me. And you are going to, though, be embarrassed and have so- people are going to socially pull away from you. It's going to hurt you if we don't get through this. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get through this for your sake, not for me not to be embarrassed, yeah. but for you to be helped. Does that make sense? Yeah, so we really shifted good. the conversation. We were honest about what we're all dealing with here. And after four years, he got through it. <laughs> <laughs> but you kept at it. That's the so today, he eats very appropriately. Yeah. I'm going to watch him next yeah, time. Yeah, watch him next time. He does really well. Uh, you know, I was thinking how Jimmy said, I think that it's important as we do speak identity and call things our kids, as we do, when when we're not seeing exactly what we're saying, of course that happens a lot, is identif- going and checking out the situation. Because mm-hmm. I was also thinking that when I, some of our girls would come home and maybe they had a conflict at school or so-and-so didn't like me, they didn't sit by me or whatever, and they felt rejected at school, it would be just going into the story and really finding out what's going on. And sometimes you have to come back and say, hey, you know, um, hurt people hurt people. And sometimes mm-hmm. people hurt you. It's not because of what you did. Now, we have to check it out. Yeah. Maybe it's just their own security, their own mm-hmm. fears. So how can we go back, be proactive and go back and really be a friend instead of looking to have a friend? And so sometimes we have to go into the situation. So again, identity is some hurt people hurt people. And so don't take on their stuff unless you're part of adding to it. So we'd have to go and investigate that a little bit. So I think just in moments of training and 
and looking for opportunities mm-hmm. to speak truth into them and also checking out what's really going on. Yeah. It's yeah. Good. So, so maybe just because <clears throat> I know we were talking about it, Andy, is on the word side, we were always mm-hmm. affirming and encouraging anything we saw of value. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then we, when we corrected them, we were clear on why we were correcting them for their good. Mm-hmm. You know, or we would always uh, say, hey, mom and dad struggled too, and that doesn't make it right. So we're all on this journey together to come to Jesus with our stuff. But that doesn't mean that you're not still our favorite. It doesn't mean you're not still loved. It doesn't mean you're of the greatest value. It just means we got to get through this because it's hurting yourself and hurting somebody else. And, and we got to get through it. So the why behind the what. But I think that what Laura said, words, time, and affection, if we didn't take the time then they can't hear the words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We don't do drive-by encouragement yeah. and then mm-hmm. don't give them the attention that they need yeah. so that those words mean something. Yeah. So yeah. when they say, you know, love is an action, mm-hmm. not just a thought. So they needed us in there with them so they believed our words. The time reinforced our words. Yeah, yeah. that's really good. Yeah. So what, so I'm thinking of, uh, I have kids that are getting more into junior high, high school, so they're there. So it does look different with identity as they get older. So how did it look as you progressed into the junior high years and the high school years when they are hearing a lot of identity messages from other people saying a lot of different things? How did it change, or what did you do different, or did you just do the same thing but maybe make it a little more for older kids? Well, I was thinking about, I mean... For us, just if you found a different message coming from the world, tracking that, getting that time, that attention, that special time with them at night, listening to their conversations, watching them with their other friends, those types of things, hearing what they're saying about themselves, then going to the Word, just pulling the Word out and Mm -hmm. saying, okay, let's say what God says about you. And so in those various elements just studying the word together or pulling it out and there were times when our kids did get older and we would study the word together on an issue if they were having a hard time but bringing them to that place I think was a big one yeah Um, it's good I remember I'm thinking about the lack of motivation to maybe um, study some kids love to go to school and stuff don't right (laughs) Uh and so I remember even using that of grades and stuff I remember when I would pick them up at school, the first thing every kid wants to have is, is report card days to give you the report card. And I would never, and they wanted me, our kids were relatively great students, so they wanted me to see, look what I got, you know. And I never looked straight to the actual grade. I said, I want to hear what the teacher says about your character. Yeah. So I would read character first before I even opened up. And I said, let's see what your teacher says about you, because that's what's important to me. Yeah. Is how are you, are you being respectful? Are you being kind? Are you honoring those types of things and then we celebrated the the other but I remember when they were going to school they're like why do we have to learn all this you know and really encouraged and we were like something I'm like mm-hmm, I don't know but you know there's moments that the calculus like I have no idea what that is I just have to agree with you but here we are and we're practicing diligence but always telling our kids too you know we're not going to school or we're not learning or getting an education to be somebody but we're going to learn a skill so mm-hmm. we can give it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And we, we serve somebody. So we serve somebody else. So just really reshaping why are we learning? And really, we're learning and building skills and knowledge.
knowledge so we can take the gifts God's given to us and then we can go serve another person. And I think twisting yeah. or changing why we're doing things also gave my dad like, wow, what am I gifted to do? And how can we as parents help them cultivate that and give them the, the, the guardrails to run their lanes so they can go do what they do. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah, so let me say another, another deal about all that. Of course, you know, uh, junior high and high school is where it gets most challenging. Mm-hmm. They need more talking time. They need more emotional time. And I would say what kids sometimes give the signal that I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. So then, mm-hmm. the, to me, the, the mistake of a lot of parents is, oh, I, they just need to get space. Mm-hmm. If they're having lies go through their mind, they're being reinforced by mean friends yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the world around them, and and they say don't want to talk, they don't need more time mm-hmm. to think about themselves mm-hmm. or more time to watch TV or more time <laughs> to evaluate what there are. They need actually more time with you. Yeah. So we would we would make them talk with us yeah. and we would give them multiple choice questions. So today, did you feel happy? Did you feel sad? Did you feel included, excluded? Uh, we would just literally, Laura was always great about multiple choice feelings <laughs> or questions. Yeah, in all honesty, we literally would make them talk to us mm-hmm. because if we didn't talk to them, we don't know what's going on, we don't know what's going on, we can't help, and all we want to do is help. Yeah. And there, there's a balance there. We weren't trying to help them because we were fearful. We weren't being, mm-hmm. we weren't like trying to be hyper controlling. We just know, hey, this is the hardest time in your life. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. We're your greatest source of help, so let's pull together. Let's just figure this out together. So I remember when Abby was a freshman in, uh, in high school, and uh, it was a smaller Christian school, and almost, uh, most of the girls already had their cliques, so they didn't include Abby at all. And, you know, very difficult, first couple weeks um, especially. And, um, and I said, honey, you are a delightful person. You are a beautiful person. You are sure these girls don't know what they're missing, right? So far yeah. that. Secondly, they're just being goofy. They're trying to figure out who they are. And yeah. so people tend to reject people in order to find their own acceptance. It's a weird deal that people do. Mm. And so after a couple of weeks of us trying to talk through that, I remember I said, now come here, sit on my lap, sweetie. And I said, now look at me, repeat after me. High school, high school is stupid. It's stupid. <laughs> this true. will pass, this will pass, and God will prevail. <laughs> so we reminded each other of that several times. <laughs> this is, yeah. But, yeah. but really the turning point for her was, we, one of our family scriptures was, of course, uh, the, the, the admonition of Jesus that everything's wrapped up on two basic thoughts. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors, ourselves. And I said, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We said, we're not going to school to be somebody, but to serve somebody. So that's our education piece. But what if we did that same thing towards people? I'm not going to school to be liked. I'm going to school to like somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we said, I said, who... Who needs value put on them? Mm-hmm. So she named three different girls mm-hmm. uh, that needed a friend. And I said, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we pray together for these three friends? And why don't you go to school to care for them? And let's see what God does. Yeah. Because you're taken care of. You're good. Yeah. And I know it doesn't always feel that way, but we got your back. We're all here together. Mm-hmm. We're in this together. And so it totally shifted. And those girls at the end of their her senior year would have said, I've never been cared for like that before. I've never been loved like that before. I've never had somebody mm-hmm. kind of be in my court. And I think it shaped their lives, these yeah. other high school yeah. girls. 
And, and the only way that that could happen, though, is that she trusted that home was going to be a safe place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That even though she went to battle at school, if you will, that, that her whole existence wasn't wrapped around school. And that's something you got to start early on, yeah. you know, to work mm-hmm. it through. Um, so That's really good. I'm sure there was times you didn't want to take the time and the patients <laughs> to deal with it. Oh, so okay. how did you, like, pull dig, that dig, out dig, to dig deep. dig deep to do that? Yeah, that's a great question. While Laura's thinking, I will say uh, <laughs> our why was big enough, right? Mm-hmm. So we just said, uh, we got run, one run at this. Mm-hmm. We got 18 years, really, give or take. And then, of course, there's parenting doesn't actually end. <laughs> however, however, that's our shaping and development mm-hmm. years. And we just said, look, we would remind each other, hey, whatever we got, this is it. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's, let's encourage each other. Yeah. Let's, let's get on the team together. Let's... Get other friends involved. Let's get whoever, whatever it takes. But they're all we've got, and and this is what we've got to work with. And the the other thing I would say behind the why is we had a little family mission statement. That we said we're a family of love, honor, and purpose. And even if it was just a few minutes, we would rally the troops in the morning and sometimes in the evening, and just say, "All right, who are we? We're family of love. We're going to love God, love each other. We're family of honor. We're going to put value on people, and we're family of purpose. God has a purpose for our lives." Just that sounds, I mean, literally, I said that in 20 seconds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But whether they were attentive or not, whether they understood what we were doing or not, it reinforced for us the why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it helped us, not yeah. them. And then it stuck with them, you mm-hmm. know? And um, yeah. Yeah, I'd say too. Oh, what happened? You definitely blew out <laughs> yeah. many of those. And I really, I can honestly say that those moments, have, those, a lot of those happen. But the Holy Spirit is so faithful. If we pause as parents in the morning and say, God, who needs me today? What's going on? And he knows. And I'm, I'm astounded that he would just, I, it, I pick up, oh my gosh, this kid needs a little more of me today. Because we had four. And so that's a lot to yeah. keep up with. And so he would be a faithful. And so I would say as a parent too, identity as the older ages is study their love language. Mm. Don't mm. love them the way you want to be loved. Find mm. out yeah. each of my kids has a different love language. Yeah. And some one's time and one's gifts. And I would knew that was important to that kid. And I'm thinking, oh, well, that's materialistic. No, but that kid, when I was intentional to go, okay, he needs a little more of me. I'm going to get, I know he would. And it could be done something the dollar small. Store. The dollar yeah. It could be his favorite candy. It could be picking him up and driving him to get... Um, an ice cream or whatever I knew this kid mm-hmm. liked, that meant you, it was just put identity on. It was like, I yeah. see you. I see that you're having a hard time. Mm-hmm. I see that you have needs. Those little things, even, you know, if you see your kid having a hard time, the the time piece, I'm, many times I'd go to school and um, pick them up at lunch yeah. the days mm-hmm. that you could and just pull them in my, even sitting in my car. Mm-hmm. I brought you lunch from home. Can we just sit and talk in the car? That's you know, good. or let's play cards. Let's just do something, a little bit of time with you that helped a lot. I remember the Holy, just having the Holy Spirit and then, right. and then responding. And that might mean me changing something sometime mm-hmm. to do That's that. Good. But yeah. those little things reset your kids, yeah. I believe, and put that trust in there. Like, okay, that's crazy out there, but these guys really love me. They're for me. They're not perfect. <laughs> I don't always believe what they say, but I'm going to trust them because I know they're for me. And yeah. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Okay, so this is... So I'm thinking of parents who, you know, maybe they haven't done that or they're just wanting to start. So, you know, let's get into the practicality of how to, where do we start as young parents or having young kids? How do they start? What would be the two or three things that they could do to just begin this whole thing? 
Yeah, so I'd say if you're a single parent listening to this or you just got came to the Lord and now you say, yeah. well, I've got all high schoolers. Yeah. You know, hey, what first thing is, is that God made you their parents, so God has a plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just got to believe that. Yeah. It's a part of your own faith, right? That either God has a plan or he doesn't. And, and, and he's equipped you for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's equipped you. Yeah. He calls you to equip you for So he chose you to be their parent. And so you have in you with him to put that on your kids. Yeah, so, so it starts with... Um, Spirit of God, what are some promises for this child? Mm-hmm. And in, and then you literally pray that over them on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, you know, one of our kids, uh, God gave us that scripture that was spoken over Jesus. He grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. And so we prayed that over him every day, uh, all his life, literally. And he was a little guy. It wasn't like it was going that way, right? <laughs> and uh, every once in a while we get a glimpse of that province. Uh, but today we see it as an adult just going in a hundred different directions beyond what we could even or ask yeah. or thought. Or, so we would get a scripture uh, and then that would give us something to pray into. Okay. Um, go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, I was thinking too. Even if you're like, wow, that feels daunting. Then get... Call your parents, call um, your pastor, call your youth leader, call somebody that you would know, another friend, and say, hey, can you help me, um, pray with me about this, you know, because uh-huh. that can even feel daunting to somebody, like, I don't even know where to start with that, and so pull in somebody in your life group, just pull in another person to help you with that journey. So that one thing that I was also thinking, you know, many times we've had to, I call it reset, where we've pulled our kids back together, and we've gone, hey, I have to repent here, I have yeah. not done this well. Hmm. That's okay. Mm-hmm. They respect that. That's not. Yes. That's actually humility, and the kids gravitate. God says He He opposed the proud, gives grace to the humble. And so yeah. there be times when we've messed up or we got off track, and it'd be like, "Hey, we're gonna everybody. We're having a family night. You know, if you're if you're older kids, you might have to pre warn them a day or two. You can't just call it on call it right away sometime. Yeah. But say, "Hey, we're gonna pull together." And I'm and if you're sitting here going, "I'm learning new stuff," and I'm sorry that I have whatever is in your heart. You know, I've missed this opportunity. Or yeah, I've been angry. I've been, I've been angry. I've messed weird. up. But I want to change. And I'm asking God to change. So we are starting something new. You know, yeah. just mm-hmm. saying, well, I want to do this as a family. So I think anytime that you own your stuff uh-huh. and you, your kids see that, especially when they're older, yeah, they might, like Jimmy said, feel resistance. But really, they're craving that. And yeah. with, if you do that with a follow-through, maybe you have to do it again tomorrow because you messed up, but they see that pattern, they are going to just gravitate towards that. And you, I think you can change a whole culture yeah. with yeah. that humility. Yeah, so if you take that prayer piece, you, you know, um, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you to declare our plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. That's true of your child. That's true of you as a parent. That's true of your life. So with that... As Laura said, whatever support you need to say, what's a good, what's a promise from the scripture that I can pray? And then uh, what Laura said in prayer, God, what do I need to own and mm-hmm. repent of with my kids that we've been doing that's not honoring you or helping them? Yeah. So through prayer, we get a promise, then we own our problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> and we own our problems. And then um, from that place, then we get a process. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we got prayer. We find we, we own our problems, and then we get a process of how we're going to move forward. 
and um, and then all right, here's the things. Here's two or three things we're going to start doing. We're going to pray every day that we're a family of love, honor, and purpose, and we're going to take literally five minutes and pray for each other. Or whatever the problem is, we're going to find out what is a scripture that we can use to combat it. Um, we're going to start having a family night or a family day or whatever, or a few hours together yeah. every week so that we can regroup and um, create a process. Because in the end, I, I can say this, <clears throat> Laura and I, neither one of us, such our main gift is administration, right? <laughs> it's inspiration or spontaneity or whatever you want to say. But in the end, those systematic processes that mm-hmm. we put into place, yeah. I would say was the make or break for our kids' lives. Yeah. Not our super spirituality or not, you know, yeah. uh, because I don't think we love God more than most people. I don't think we love people that well at times either, but but we're committed to both of them. And then we yeah. created a process to make sure we do it. Yeah, And that's really where most parents mm-hmm. need the most amount mm-hmm. of support is in the process yeah. yeah. Uh, and to stay on whatever it is and then believe in it and, and pull your family into it. Yeah. It's interesting that a lot of these topics that we are talking with with people, in the end, it's that consistency yes. that in yeah. the end yep. makes or breaks, you yes. know. And Absolutely. so that consistency always wins the day, it seems like. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what we're going to do is to kind of wrap this up, we are going to ask you the three questions we ask every single person on this podcast. They're rapid fire questions. Uh, and so, uh, not that we haven't been asking you questions. So, uh, Kimberly, why don't you go with the first one? Okay. So what's the most inspiring resource on parenting? Book, podcast that you've come across? Uh, it's parenting without the kids. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what do you think? Hello. They need okay, their own time. Yeah, <laughs> Um, what else has been helping? Yeah, yes, gosh, most is hard. There's so many resources out there today, and but one that we really love was Shepherding Your Child's Heart. That okay. was a resource for us. Trip it was by trip. Okay. I really enjoyed that because it, it went to the heart issue. Yeah, um, it's a really good one. And another one was, uh, and I forget the name actually, but it's by Cloud and Townsend. The guys wrote all the boundary Boundaries. books. Yeah, but they had a parenting book that says Parenting with Grace and Truth. Oh, and huh. it was really well done on that need for discipline and and truth but with tremendous grace to keep the relationship okay so that, that yeah that's awesome yeah. okay so what has the the best advice that someone ever gave you that you've received as a parent the best advice you have ever received as a parent that's big best ever best yeah ever. Uh, <laughs> let me share one okay yes <laughs> is uh, there was a very uh, well-known uh, speaker or pastor that i and I was speaking at a conference, and all my kids were little, and he was one of the speakers, and so it was a privilege just to get time with him. And, you know, as a young pastor, I just wanted to ask him, what do I do, you know, and all this. And this very, very well-known guy said, uh, he said, spend time with your kids. Mm-hmm. He said, you got 18 years, and that's it. He said, if you love God and stay true to your call, you're going to preach the rest of your life, but you have 18 years with yeah. those kids. And I said, yeah, me and another guy were there. I said, yeah, well, what else? And he said, no, no, you didn't hear me. <laughs> yeah. If you're asking what else, you didn't hear me. Uh-huh. He said, that's one through 10, besides yeah. loving God. Yeah. Right? yeah. He said, that's one through 10, and then, all right, then all that other stuff you're going to do. So that shaped me because when he paused and said, no, you're not hearing me. Yeah. Right? He could tell I was saying, yeah, and. Yeah. Come on. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I often reminded myself, I've got this moment. Mm-hmm. I've got this window. This will pass. Yeah. I don't 
doesn't feel like it is, right? <laughs> but but it is. Yeah. So that, that was the best advice I had as a dad to stay engaged. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. Um, I'm not sure how to frame it, but I think I would just say um, live the life you want. You're telling your kids to live. Mm-hmm. Model it. Yeah. Just model. Don't be... Kids sniff hypocrisy. Yeah. Yeah. You're saying one thing to them, and then you're yeah. doing something on the side. I think that's the most painful thing for a child to see because they don't get it. Mm-hmm. You know, and you might think you're getting by with it, but they just see everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I if I was going to ask my child something to do, then I was saying, "Am I doing that myself?" Whether it's whatever it could be, just whatever I'm asking. So I think that would be the best advice I was given. Was yeah, that's live, really good. Live what you're saying. Yeah, and and. And that's, and that's where all the power is. Yeah. 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 And then those younger years, it was, I was like, don't just say things you're not going to follow through on either. Yeah. Like, just don't give, yeah. just don't tell them to do something and then don't follow through with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's, again, inconsistency. Like, yeah. It's yeah, just, by the way, if you're listening to this podcast, threatening doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Decide what it is you believe. Right Should we wrong. try that route? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that the, the thing that you said, Jimmy, that I think is interesting is with time, all the things that y'all recounted were in the morning, in the evening, right. visiting them at lunch. Yeah. That time was something that you made the most of. Because yeah. you're right, it doesn't doesn't last long. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry, Sean, you're going to cry at that moment. Yeah, thank you. Rapid fire, rapid fire. Rapid fire, last one. Last one. This one's good, and this is for both of you. Okay, what's one thing that your parents did right. And the reason we ask that is this, that so many parents feel like they're not getting to win on any front. Yeah. Uh, and and we can all look at where our parents did something wrong, but we just want to say, what's one thing that your parents did right that you're thankful hey, for? Laura's an internal processor, so can I share one story that I really wanted to share? On sure, yeah. Yeah. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Before we end, yeah. is uh, Daniel, uh, our youngest son, this is about identity, uh-huh. and I'll answer the third question. Yeah. Um, he played golf and he played junior golf and eventually he would play college golf. And so uh, he was a diligent guy. He would discipline in what he was asked to do, but he, he wasn't as driven as some of the other kids. And so he was like eighth or ninth grade and he had played poorly in this tournament. And I noticed that between the rounds, he wasn't practicing as much as the other kids. They were very uh, driven. The, the other kids were going to do college golf. Yeah. They were a little more driven. And so I was a very driven person and worked really hard and, you know, all that stuff. So we're driving back from this golf tournament and I'm having that uh, famous parent talk. I walk to school in the snow backwards (laughs) and you've got it easy, you know, kind of talk. And so, and what I'm saying is, hey, I was an average athlete, but I worked harder than anybody else. And so I was successful and everything else. You've been gifted and you could work harder. Don't you see what these other guys are doing? And you have all the benefits, you know, that kind of deal. So um, we had this agreement when he got about eighth, eighth or ninth grade that, hey, you're now walking into manhood, and so we can talk about anything as long as it's respectful. So if you think I'm wrong, or you don't like what I'm doing, or you don't agree with something, you, it's, you don't have to just obey me, but we have to have a respectful conversation, and then we'll talk about how it did. And so he kind of raised his hand, we're driving the car, he said, Dad, it's one of those times that you said, <laughs> and I say what I really think. <laughs> and I said, sure, buddy, you know, go for it. And he said, um, he said, Dad, um, when you talk about how you grew up and everything else, that's not how I grew up, right? Mm. You guys are great. You're supportive. And, you, and, and he said, I think you needed athletics to be somebody. Mm. And that made you work hard. He said, me, I don't need golf to be somebody. 
I'm already somebody. Wow. 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 That's and great. so, uh, <laughs> uh, did, uh, yeah, yeah. Did. But we want to be a winner and we want to work hard. <laughs> you know, because most of us are yeah. driven yeah. out of identity yeah. for something outside yeah. of relationship and health, right? We're, yeah. we're driven by unhealthy uh-huh. desires to try to get identity to be somebody because yeah. we feel so poorly about ourselves, yeah. Yeah. right? And he was saying, I already am somebody. Now, yeah. I did make him be diligent and disciplined. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Gone. So it worked. But, but, his point, but the point was, uh, he was just saying, Dad, you were driven by another deal. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you trained us to be. So why don't you get off of that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really good. Wow. I was put in my place. Yeah. Okay. Back to the question. To the question. Parents. I would say I was thinking that I, there was a lot of things. I think I, my parents, both in their own way, I picked up a life of sacrifice. You know, mm-hmm. my dad worked really, really hard to provide for us. And that meant he was gone a lot, so it had some challenges for me. But he worked, he did love us, and he, he sacrificed to work for us. And my mom sacrificed yes. a career to stay home, to be mm-hmm. a stay-at-home mom. And she sacrificed a lot of things to be present um, with me. And even later in life, she sacrificed so much to take care of my dad after he had a massive stroke. And so I've watched my parents... Not just live for themselves. I watched them mm-hmm. live um, to give to us. Even though they had successful lives, they didn't yeah. just sit on the stair at us and give us everything. But they lived a life of sacrifice, and mm-hmm. um, they were very generous with their life. Um, yeah, and, and and I was just going to say, Amen. And that's one of the things I love about you. You're a woman of sacrifice. You, you, really, you are. You picked up that obedience over emotions. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is which I benefited from. Yeah. Um, I would say, um, in a weird way, uh, I picked up faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom was a very broken person and uh, had a lot of pain in her life. But uh, if something needed to happen, it would happen. Mm-hmm. She's the mm-hmm. toughest person I've ever met. <laughs> Strongest willed. <laughs> so I always tell this one funny story that we would go to the shoe store because we would buy shoes twice a year. That was all we got, right? Mm-hmm. So, And when mom would go, we could pick out whatever shoes we wanted. And, and the, the clerk invariably would say, I don't have that size. And in those days, the shoes always used to be in the back behind the curtain, right? <laughs> yeah. And so mom would say, oh, yes, you do. No, you have a size. <laughs> and, he, and he'd say, ma'am, I, I, just, I just got back from there and I don't. And she said, no, no, it's back there. Get on away. It's, man, you can't go in there. Man, you can't go in there. And so we're all we're all hiding in the store while mom is back there and she'd walk out, got him. So I was not. She would climb on top of the deal. She would find if if there was something that had to happen, it happened. So in a weird way, yeah. once I got saved, there's nothing that's impossible. When somebody says you can't do something, that's not yeah. even a yeah. blip on the screen. It's kind of like, oh yeah, and if it needs to be done, it can be done. Yeah. So my and mom's. From that. <laughs> Thank you. Usually. <laughs> so yeah. So I think I got faith, even yes. from a broken yeah. situation. Yeah. I'm able to see that as a very redemptive thing. Yeah. That we got. Wow. It's really fun to yes. see how your parents mark you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very yes. Wow. Yeah. Well, I would say uh, I would say having watched your four kids, the proof, the colloquialism, the proof is in the pudding as they have grown up. You have amazing kids. Yeah. And I've watched them in their younger years 
in their becoming amazing kids. <laughs> and uh, and it's I just would say you guys have done a great job in parenting. And I know everybody can say that, but I see it, the fruit in your kids today. So thanks for being an example to all of us. Well, thank you. We have no greater joy than to see our children walking in the truth. Amen.